Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to honorofkings.org, where I take an unpolished look at false prophets, church history, and the Word of God. I'm Kevin, and I love discovering and proclaiming truth, but finding the truth in the day we live in requires some digging. Have you brought your shovel? Let's break some ground. Prophet Paul Cain, The Cover-Up, Part 6 Paul Cain, The Madness This kind of perverse scenario is not unique to Paul Cain. Now, let's get back to my original claim that lies, error, and sexual immorality seem to follow Paul Cain and the Kansas City prophets like the plague. Let's talk about Bob Jones. The late prophet Bob Jones, another father in the prophetic movement, and Paul Cain's fellow Kansas City prophet, confessed to sexual misconduct and even taught that Yahweh loves you so much that he actually accepts your sin. According to Holly Pivik of spiritoferor.org, quote, This misconduct included encouraging the women to undress in his office so they could stand naked before the Lord in order to receive a word, unquote. Jill Austin. The late Jill Austin, who often shared the spotlight with the Kansas City prophets, moved to Los Angeles and helped to shepherd Gateway City Center Church, a fledgling ministry on Santa Monica Boulevard, a.k.a. the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. When I was working for the Elijah List, Jill invited me personally to come down to meet the pastor, James Stalnacher, and his ministry team. She thought that I could come and partake of the anointing. When I met James and his crew, I couldn't help but notice that they were some of the most feminine males that I'd ever met. I did my best to ignore the obvious signs, but dang, sometimes you just gotta call it like it is. I didn't, however, because I was browbeat into submission with the idea that God Almighty had placed this person in a position of authority and I would not be walking in love if I had said anything. Well, two weeks after I returned home from my visit, James Stalnacher, who was anointed by Cheon, was publicly called out as an abusive homosexual. His wife left him and there was even a lawsuit. According to the Pasadena Star News article in February 14, 2005, quote, the lawsuit claims A.W., the victim, engaged in unwanted sexual contact, including oral sex and fondling, with Stalnacher from September until December. Stalnacher is accused in the complaint of using mind control and brainwashing techniques to perform sex acts with at least 10 other young men at the church, unquote. Apparently, Jill Austin, who is said to have had an amazing prophetic gift, could not see this happening right under her nose. Mike Bickle Perhaps a little less tangible, but just as noteworthy, is the false bridal paradigm taught by Mike Bickle, the leader of the International House of Prayer. Those who adhere to the bridal paradigm are encouraged to take on the role of the Bride of Christ and pursue intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Now, that may seem harmless in and of itself, but it has taken some very strange twists and turns over the years. In my own experience, I've seen men dance around with bridal veils over their face, and I've even listened as a woman inferred that she was brought to um, a climax in her encounter with the Spirit of God. And if these kind of perversions are not enough, there is the murder, oh, excuse me, suicide of Bethany Deaton to consider. In 2013 to 2014, Bethany and her husband, Tyler Deaton, along with Micah Moore, were embroiled in a sordid detail of sexual assault, suicide, and religious zeal and they were all connected to Mike Bickle and IHOP. Bethany Deaton's death was officially ruled a suicide, but that decision came after a year of investigating it as a murder. There seemed to be many questionable events that I feel were either overlooked or ignored, including a confession that was later retracted. 
check out the Rolling Stone article referenced below for further details. Particularly offensive, and in my view condemning, are the words spoken by Tyler, Bethany's husband, at her memorial. Quote, There was a weird feeling that something was wrong, that something was just off, and it all goes back to the fact that Tyler wasn't moved at all, one observer says. As some of you know already, I am a man who is in love with ideas, with crazy paradigms, he said when he stood to speak and laughed. And when they brought me Bethany's body, at first I cried, but then I laughed because I said to her, Bethany, if you could see you, you would not like the way you look right now. And last night we had worship time together, very briefly as a group, and it was wonderful, and it just showed me the Lord's supremacy over this wretched thing that is death, he said. And I thought to myself, what a crazy paradigm, unquote. These words are very uncharacteristic of a grieving husband. Interestingly enough, Rick Joyner's name pops up in this scandal as well, from the same Rolling Stone article, quote, The work that most enduringly shaped Deaton's thinking might have been The Final Quest, an account of the end times by NAR leader Rick Joyner, whose celestial travels and pretensions to divinity resemble those of Bickle. Joyner claims to have written The Final Quest in a trance state akin to that of the Apostle John. Joyner describes his book as a call to all who will go on to the most noble adventure of the age, the final showdown between good and evil. The final quest is ludicrous self-hagiography that casts Joyner as a hero of Armageddon, one of the saints fighting the last battle. Something in Tyler made him particularly volatile when exposed to those teachings, one group member says. Less than three weeks after he read The Final Quest, Deaton told his worship group that he had been divinely ordered to train God's final army. Deaton had arrogated to himself, in Joyner's conception, prodigious supernatural power, highest-level divine revelation, and the authority to call down God's judgment upon those who opposed him. The history of the group would play out against a backdrop of Final Quest imagery. Years later, when Harrington, friend of Tyler Deaton, tried to reread The Final Quest, he started shaking, ran to the bathroom, and puked. He doesn't think it's possible to underestimate the influence of the book or of NAR's Latter-day Apostles on Deaton. In some ways, Tyler was as much a victim as anyone else, Harrington says. These apostles destroyed him. I think they drove him mad. Unquote. Now, to be fair, my experiences and the Bethany Deaton incident were probably the exception rather than the norm, but the fact that these exceptions even exist should raise a red flag. The psalmist David, a man after God's own heart, wrote in Psalm 12, 6-8, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked prowl on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. Where vileness is exalted among men, there will be wickedness. Chad Taylor, Jeremy Lopez, Scott Hicks. Speaking of vile, I was invited once to speak at a conference in Georgia with Chad Taylor, Jeremy Lopez, and Scott Hicks. After the conference, Scott Hicks stated, If two men love each other and want to get married, I have no problem with that. And Jeremy Lopez nodded his head in agreement. Revivalist Chad Taylor said nothing. So what, Kevin? These are just words. They weren't actually doing anything. You're right. But this is the kind of tacit acquiescence that our modern-day prophets will give to this kind of perversion. If they are not active participants, they will say nothing publicly, and they certainly won't confront a father as famous as Paul Cain. To them, there is just too much to lose. Let's go back to Mike Bickle and IHOP for just a while longer. 
Similarities between IHOP philosophy and the occult. While the real prophet would relay the word of Yahweh that encourages his people to stand in the way and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it, then you will find rest for your souls, Jeremiah 6.16, Mike Bickle and the other Kansas City IHOP associated prophets claim that the bridal paradigm is a new revelation that the Spirit of God is releasing to the body. Predictably, because the majority of Christendom will equate anything supernatural that tickles the emotions with God's favor, they swallow this lie whole. The truth is, these new revelations have a dark and sinister connection to the occult. As an alleged channel for Tibetan master Dwal Kul, famous occultist Alice A. Bailey penned the following, quote, Christianity will not be superseded, it will be transcended its work of preparation being triumphantly accomplished, and Christ will again give us the next revelation of divinity. Can there not be revelations of God utterly unprecedented and for which we have no words or adequate means of expression? The ancient mysteries, so shortly to be restored, must be reinterpreted in the light of Christianity and readapted to meet modern need. Unquote. As if to echo this demonic being's sentiments, Bob Jones said in an interview with Mike Bickle, quote, they themselves will be that generation that's raised up to death itself underneath their feet, a church that has reached the full maturity of the God-man. This generation of young people that are coming are going to see the beginning of the worldwide new order. It is going to change the expression of Christianity in a generation. Unquote. Mike Bickle states, quote, The Lord said simply, I will change the understanding and expression of Christianity in the earth in one generation. Unquote. And of course, Rick Joyner echoes, quote, What is about to come upon the earth is not just a revival or another awakening. It is a veritable revolution. This vision was given in order to begin awakening those who are destined to radically change the course and even the very definition of Christianity, unquote. Isn't it amazing how the voice of God and the voice of another spirit sound alike when you listen to the thoughts of your own heart? Jeremiah 13.10 this evil people who refuse to hear my words and who follow the dictates of their hearts and walk after other gods to serve them and worship them shall be just like this sash which is unprofitable for nothing. Unquote. This is the kind of evil philosophy that has permeated the Christian psyche. These are the men and women that have been given authority in the church. The difference between forgiveness and stupidity. Many of you may ask, when does forgiveness enter the picture? Isn't the late Paul Cain and aren't the prophets who are still alive deserving of our forgiveness? I mean, they are only human. We can't expect them to be perfect. Let me ask you this. If you found out that a man in your church who was in the children's ministry and as a result had frequent contact with your child was stealthily getting your child alone and sexually molesting them, would you forgive him? What if after being confronted with this crime against your innocent child, he confessed to it? turned himself in, and served a prison sentence. Would you forgive him? What if the sentence was a fitting sentence, and he served that sentence? Would you forgive him and let bygones be bygones? No matter how hard it may seem, there are verses in the Bible that actually require us to do so. But let me take this a little further. Would this man ever be fit to enter back into children's ministry? Would you ever trust this man to be alone with your child again? Is there a restoration process good enough that you would gamble your child's life with this ex-pervert? Look, I'm not inferring that forgiveness is out of the question. What I'm saying is, it is the height of stupidity and ignorance 
to place an ex-pervert back into a situation where there is the potential for the innocent to ever be harmed again. I don't care how gifted a person is, there's absolutely no excuse for it. And if you, as a loving parent, would be willing to place your child back into a circumstance where there's even a sliver of a chance that they would be sexually molested, then I greatly question your love for your child. You might think you love that little life that the father's entrusted to you, but your actions profess something entirely different. And yet this is what prophetic leadership regularly does with false prophets who will spiritually molest you every time they grab a microphone. And most welcome it, because their craving for a divine connection is being stroked. In fact, there are people who subscribe to the Elijah List who are willingly subjecting themselves to spiritual molestation on a daily basis. Why do I think that false prophets spiritually molest people? Like sexual molestation, false prophets teach a means of intimacy that was never intended by the Father, and as a result, become perverse and abominable. Those who partake in this kind of anointing, quote-unquote, are the victims that may one day become abominable themselves. And it's so sad, because the victim may at first truly desire to get closer to the Father, but the cold hard truth is they are looking for this intimacy in ways that the Father has not ordained. Okay, so please forgive me, but this next part's going to be rather uncomfortable. When these violations take place, the victim is approached or taught by someone they consider to be a person of authority, whether a father, prophet, or a teacher, it doesn't matter. Victims, especially if they are of age, which I liken to those who have read the Bible, initially feel like what is happening is very, very wrong, that it goes against the very core of their being. Don't be so legalistic, the authority figure chides. That's just religion talking. Yield yourself to the move of the Spirit. God's doing a new thing. Through repeated encounters, the victims eventually associate the violation with the Father's love and at the encouragement of the abusers open themselves up for even more abuse and perversion. And as sick and twisted as it sounds, they eventually receive pleasure from the violation because, in their minds, they're just receiving the love of the Father. But the truth is they are handing their mind, body, and soul over to forces that completely violate the Word of God and skew their entire perception of the truth. It is only a matter of time before they start looking for others to molest. They call this act impartation. How can we truly know the Father? Anyone who hasn't been completely corrupted with dispensationalism knows that the Father didn't want to wait 4,000 years for people to know Him, so He laid it out for them. Deuteronomy 26.17 Today you have proclaimed the Lord to be your God, and that you will walk in His ways, and keep His statutes, His commandments, and His judgments, and that you will obey His voice. Deuteronomy 28.9 The Lord will establish you as a holy people to Himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Psalm 119.1 Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Even in the New Testament says, 1 John 2.4 He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. These verses are often quoted, but rarely grasped. So let's break it down to the most basic level. If they obey the commands... Notice it didn't say certain commands. They know him. If they do not obey the commands, they do not know him. That is your dividing line. That is your standard. Giftings, prophecy, wonderful works, casting out demons, they mean nothing. Absolutely nothing. And this is evidenced by the real fruit of Paul Cain's ministry. Sure, he put on a good show. False prophets often do. Sure. 
He may have prophesied. False prophets often do. He may have even been a nice guy when he wasn't threatening or a danger to young men. False prophets can be very encouraging when it benefits them. See 1 Kings 13.11-29 and 22.10-12. But his legacy lives on. A legacy his prophetic buddies like Rick Joyner, Mike Bickle, and Jack Deere enabled in the destroyed lives that he ruined along the way. And although I hope and pray otherwise, there's a pretty good chance that the next generation will be feeling the effects of this betrayal. Paul Cain's Last Prophecy, Fear the Lord I want to conclude with a parting thought. Before writing this series, when I had learned that Paul Cain had passed away, I checked out the Elijah list, knowing that they would definitely have something to say about it. True to my expectations, Steve Schultz couldn't wait 24 hours for the body to cool before ensuring that the mindset that monetizes his empire continues. The February 13th headline read, Paul Cain has gone home, but exactly a year to go today. And then in the first paragraph, he says that the word was actually given on February 2nd, but the Elijah List had published the article exactly a year ago on the 13th. Sure, it was a minor, almost inconsequential clickbait faux pas to get you to read the article, but it really shows what this whole movement is all about. In the prophetic movement, there is always a big promise on the surface. The goal of this big promise is to get you to do what they want you to do, which is to march in lockstep with their ideology and to contribute to their empire. Once you dig underneath the surface, once you dig beneath the lies and deception, once you take a step back and start looking at things objectively, you realize that there is something much deeper going on that does not have your spiritual best interest in mind. All of these little nuances, discrepancies, half-truths, and convenient oversights add up to something quite monolithic in nature. There is an entire system in place that self-perpetuates through feeding off of your lack of understanding, your unwillingness to look past your own comfort, and your unwillingness to use the scripture as your standard. And the devil is not to blame. This is Yahweh's hand. In Ahab's day, Yahweh put a lying spirit in the mouth of those who prophesied in his name, 1 Kings 22. In Ezekiel's day, Yahweh answered idolatrous seekers who had set up idols in their heart according to the very idols they worshipped, Ezekiel 14. The devil didn't do it. God did it. What makes you think he won't do it again? 2 Thessalonians speaks of Yahweh sending a strong delusion to believe a lie. This is the system to which Paul Cain belonged, And this is the system that is using his death to further itself. This is the system that arrogantly states, whether or not we agree with the group that restored him, Paul Cain, is irrelevant. He feels he's been restored. But you don't have to buy it. You don't have to be fooled. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins. Hey, thanks for listening in to the latest honorofkings.org podcast. I hope that you were edified, but most of all, I hope you were challenged. If we don't get out of our comfort zone, we'll never really grow, you know? Don't forget to leave a comment below and subscribe to the newsletter if you want to be informed when there's new content. If you like what you're here and want to share it with your friends, feel free to share it on your social media accounts. If you want to learn how to use the Word of God to identify false prophets, check out my book, Prophetic Masquerade. Learn to use the Word of God to unmask the wolves among the sheep. You can either buy the book on Amazon or you can read it online for free. To buy the book, go to Amazon.com and type in Prophetic Masquerade into the search box or go to honorofkings.org slash prophetic dash masquerade to read it for free. Thank you so much for your time. This is Kevin Client from honorofkings.org signing out. Later. Later.